everybody. Welcome to Hacking Into Security, your career-related cybersecurity show. I'm your host, Ricky Burke, the InfoSec recruiter, and regularly we'll be speaking with a variety of guests from industry leaders, entrepreneurs, senior specialists, and new people into the space. Each is sharing their story, views on the industry, and how others can navigate success in their careers. So we're here with another episode of Hacking Into Security. So today we're here with Maxi Reynolds. Maxi is a social engineer consultant working at Social Engineer in Los Angeles. I noticed Maxi recently saw a blog post that she posted on LinkedIn. Uh, she did an interview for her business and saw a diverse background and a story that I'd love to hear more about. So Maxi, thank you for joining us, first of all. Not at all. Thank you. And I guess the first question is, who are you? So max to most, I currently work for Social Engineer LLC and my sort of full-time job now is Social Engineer and I, I think we'll dive into exactly what it is soon. But before working for Chris at Social Engineer, I was a pen tester, network pen tester and before that I worked offshore oil and gas and before that I was a social nuisance <laughs> So I've got a diverse background as far as education. I studied robotics, quantum computing, network pen testing, cybersecurity. So, but what I will say, or I should have prefaced by saying that, you know, I've had no responsibilities other than myself. I don't have any of the normal things that normal people have to sort of grim them and keep them from doing silly things. And, you know, so it seems like a lot, but it's not a lot considering the free time that I have. I think normal's relative. I guess we've all, we've all got different situations and what's normal for us. Bless you, Ricky. Yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so currently you're a social engineer consultant. I'd love to learn, especially that consultant part on your job title, but I guess for those maybe that aren't completely aware, yeah. social engineering as a professional, I guess, what do you do? What does your, your day job, your week job look like? Yeah. So, okay. So, the first part to answer that social engineering is sort of using social skill to stress test the security of a company. Um, it could be a particular building, the company, you know, their headquarters, or it could be a range of buildings that they have. But it's always, it's generally always physical, unless we are talking about vision, which is still stress testing people it's just you using the phone to do it so basically it's it's social skill applied to other people to influence them to get them to do something you you want them to do and obviously we have to act and be in the mindset of what we'd call the bad guy or the bad actor um, and we sort of maintain that but we never push it as far as they would we we you know if we want to see if a company will let us steal hundred thousand dollars from them or a hundred million dollars from them we get right to the point where we've proven that we can do it and then we sort of we've updated them throughout we've updated one person within the company throughout or a team of people throughout and they know where we are and then we say okay look here's proof of concept and here's how we can help you fix this or here's what you should do to remediate and that is social engineering sort of a very broad understanding a very zoomed out understanding of it is encapsulated there so why do you do what you do Oofed. so I kind of walked into this. I have been socially engineering people 
for a long time and I, I didn't know <laughs> in a nice way, but I didn't know what it was. I, you know, I thought that I was able to read people. And sometimes when you've got a skill, you think that everyone has it. When Sometimes when you know information, you think everyone has it. And I found out just really very recently that that's not the case. So basically I have been able to read people for a long time and sort of try to even steer conversation the way that I want it to go because you know those are the topics I know about and once you apply that to social engineering you're just applying it to a different outcome the functions are the same and the outcome is different I suppose the functions being how you steer um, the topics that you'll discuss and outcome is where you want them to end up what you want them to do and I think we're all good at that in one way or another, right? We all find a way to someone to do something for us that they, you know, they didn't know we were going to ask them at the start of the day. And that's kind of how I think of my job. That's interesting. So are those skills you've acquired or you had naturally? They're human. So, and they're part of the sort of human condition, I think, that some need honed. And mines were, you know, mines are sharp tools for the most part there are places that I feel there are personalities that I cannot influence and I, I I really struggle with but for the most part I can connect with people and you know that's innate to all of us but I really think that minds are sharpened because I'm aware of it and that we all have these skills okay I guess how did you become a social engineer yourself <laughs> so yes I was pen testing at the time, network security pen testing, and I had a business in Los Angeles that I started and it was catering to high profile, high risk individuals within Los Angeles for wow. the most part. Yeah, it was. It, I really enjoyed it, but there was no challenge at all. It was people making sure that I could keep the paparazzi you know, out of their email and things like that. I was willing to do that. But there's also a sort of darker side of that, if you want. There's people who, you know, the things that they want you to protect them from, you can be a bit like, I don't know if I if I want to spend my time helping you. It, it wasn't fulfilling and everybody wanted the same thing. And it just, it no longer satiated, I suppose. What, what were those so things then, out of interest? Ah, <laughs> I'm, you're going to get me shot. If you, <laughs> if you were, can say. Some of them I can. So, so like I say, a lot of them were just people wanted to make sure that their communications were completely private or as private as is possible. They wanted information on how it could happen. Some men mainly <laughs> wanted to hide some things from their partners. And, oh. you know, so it was a lot of like me building <laughs> defences for the wrong reasons and it just oh, got a bit draining yeah no are you happy asked <laughs> that's going to play with your moral compass yes exactly and minds can be a bit shaky so it was a bit like no I don't want to do this so I went to a friend of mine Jake Williams and I said how I want to dichotomize I, I want to break my company sort of into two I want to concentrate on social engineering I'm going to hire sort of more I would say talented network pen testers and other security individuals to do what I'm doing now because it's not fulfilling at all how can I do this and he said I can't really help you because I have two friends that do this in the industry they've kind of got it cornered 
I don't want to step on their, on, on their toes. What if I gave you the information? So I said, perfect. And one of the people was Christopher Hadnagy. So I reached out to Chris and I said to him, hey, can you just tell me how you get clients? How do you get your clients for social <laughs> engineering? And he was like, no. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, absolutely not. That's what I can't. And so we had this little back and forth where I was like, come on, you, mathematically, it's impossible for you to have all of the people that need the service you're providing. Just tell me a little bit. And he's like, I'll give you a job. And I was like, no, no, I don't want a job. And about a month later, I was working for him. So he socially engineered me into working for him. I got like a, the standalone title of consultant. I think everyone else in my company has like a cool title. It makes them sound really cool. They're like human analysts and things like that. And I think Chris thought to himself, we don't want her to get big, too big for her boots. So we're going to give her this one and let her work for it a little bit. So... That's amazing that, working with, with well, I guess it's, it's got a pretty big name, I think, in the industry and obviously in terms of the yes. books and the, the social awareness and presence. Is, is, that's pretty yes. big. And he's very security-minded. The whole team is Chris and Ryan, you know, are the, my main two my main two people that I, that I go to for everything that I don't know about and they've always got an answer. And it's always security conscious and it's also socially conscious they're a little bit nicer than I am because like I say when I was working for myself in Los Angeles I took the money that was offered to me for the jobs that were there and they are a little more selective they will take the jobs for the people and the companies they can actually help and that is nice to see. So, so it's a good company to work for and it really engages your moral compass, you know, and, and I think that's important, especially in security. Excellent. So I guess in terms of, you mentioned obviously types of engagement. So what, what engagements have you actually worked on yourself then? So I have worked on banks for the most part. I worked in banks in Australia, the US as well. And we work for some large pharmaceutical companies, we work for like a, quite a diverse range of companies, companies that some of us, well, all of us will have heard of and other companies that are a little more obscure and their offerings a little more esoteric, but still important to society. And I couldn't really say what those are because I think it would give it away. It would be <laughs> one Google search away from knowing who it was. And, you know, we don't want to name our clients just for security reasons, but all of the engagements we do that are physical have been quite important in terms of what we found, what we've managed to point out, how the client has responded has each and every time sort of astounded me. Most clients start off by saying like, you're not going to find anything, you're not getting in, your team's not getting past us. But when we get on the other side, they're not upset. They're like, wow, okay, let us see how we can fix this. And we list everything that we found, everything we went after, whether it's you know, credit cards on desks or checks on desks or confidential information left out or unlocked, computers unlocked, whatever it is. And it seems so innocuous at the time, I think, to people when they're leaving it. We tell them the list and they're always thankful more than anything. And then they usually engage us to help remediate That's great. I guess telling you you're not going to find something that's like red, red flag to a bull. 
for me, it really is, uh, you know, and it's not like that for everyone, which is a massive surprise to me. Some, some people are just like, oh, okay. Whereas I'm like, now <laughs> I will find it all. <laughs> yeah, you, you've, you've called um, it on now. I'm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like someone says you can't and immediately to me that's like challenge accepted. <laughs> and one of the things that Chris has really taught me when I first come aboard, like I didn't fully understand teamwork. I've never really had to work in a team. Even when I worked offshore, I was a supervisor. So I was still, I was looking back at the team. So I went in with that attitude that, yeah, there's no I in team, but there's one in win. So I'm just going to go for it. Because it's like yes, but also you have you know you have to play as part of a team, and that was a lot for me to learn. Learning's not a bad thing. No, of course not. So when you start these engagements, okay. So what are the first steps that you take? The first step, always, and the most crucial step, is OSINT for me. You know, you get past all the admin, you get past the contracts. The, the most fundamental part of any engagement is OSINT, which is open source intelligence, information gathering. And it is truly remarkable for a few reasons. It is publicly available information, but it can be hard to find. So you have to know some parameters, search parameters, even, you know, Google. Google Docs really do help. They really do work. And I think that's always a shock to people to find, you know, what we find and apply to our engagements is probably mind-blowing to 95% of people and to give that sort of more context we go out we look at publicly available information we do not use I do not use my skill as a hacker to, to gain any knowledge that is otherwise you know off limits and we apply it and so far as we take a subset of that information look at it find a way to pretext it which is to say we find a way to act on that information and nine times out of ten I would say we get past security with that so it could be that your company uses one maintenance um, company you know to to clean let's say and my best bet now is to go and find a uniform or make a uniform that's exactly like theirs and come in and, and let you know why I'm there. And most people won't stop you. Most people aren't security minded because they've never been taught to be. And, you know, we are trying to, we're almost like this legacy system and we're trying to, in hindsight, apply security to people. We've not grown up that way and we've not been put to work that way. And socially, we're not always that way. So it's really hard for people to understand and we slip past. And that's the same for us as, as it is for a bad actor. Yeah, maybe we're a bit too trusting sometimes. Yes. Um, and it's, you know, it's a good thing for the most part for society, you know, it has its, has its advantages and it's, and it's nice. But for security, it is truly awful and we all <laughs> should stop. We all should stop. But because if you think about it, my job sometimes for the most part is to go in, let's say, to any given building you can think of your own workplace strike up a conversation and make the person that I'm talking to believe that I am truly interested in them and at the time of course I am because you can't really fake that not to the degree that 
you need to to be able to influence someone so you have to be really open really willing to listen to them you have to subtly adapt to the information they give you verbal and non-verbal and then you know so you're treating them like a person you're no longer really treating them like their job title for the most part and then you try and slip by them almost okay cool so do you mind letting me in do you mind if I go up now oh my god my appointment is in 10 minutes oh I better get on with whatever I'm here for and we apply it like that and we've got this backdrop that we're showing you which is the uniform or whatever it may be build trust and credibility yes so you've gave a couple of bits of insight in terms of uniforms you've tested in banks uh, i guess for you what what's the most interesting or, or fun engagement you've worked on to date i think the best engagement my favorite engagement is a bank it's in australia and there's only a few there <laughs> but i went in as i'm trying to sorry i'm trying to work around <laughs> given away who it was for but basically I went in as a security professional so I almost went in with my own job at the time which was pen tester for networks so I went in saying that I worked for a company I had a cloned badge and I'd gotten that badge and I would look through OSINT and I went and dressed just as an office professional so you know a normal like blouse or top and black pants and and that was it and the single badge that was no more than a than a printed went in said I was there to audit but I don't really have an auditor's lingo so (laughs) it wasn't my best pretext but it didn't matter because I struck up a conversation straight away and they let me behind straight into the bank into the server room and I was I had the USB in my hand and I was like showing them this is what I'm going to do this is what I'm, I'm going to put this into your system, essentially. And they let me. And it was sort of a surreal moment for me because I didn't know if it was going to work, but I wasn't too anxious about that because, you know, I've got some security insofar as I can phone the company that I worked for at the time and said, hey, I've been arrested for trying to break into that bank. Are you going to come and get me out? So sort of all the nerves that you, that you think you would have, you can kind of put to rest. And I got into the bank and then I kind of just went for it and I thought, let me get some bonus points here. So I took photos of all the screens that were unlocked and things like that. That is probably, for the ones that I can tell you about, that is one of my favourites. There was another one where we got to steal a lot of trucks <laughs> from oh, wow. a warehouse. Yeah, that one was good because they left, the, the they were leaving the keys in the trucks at night. And another crucial skill as as a social engineer, is lock picking. So to unpick a lock is really no trouble at all, depending on the lock. Unpicked the lock, went in, opened the gates, all of them, drove the trucks out. There were three of us and we parked them just around the corner. We phoned back headquarters and said, yeah, look, we got the assets that you were worried about. And, you know, they had um, computers around and we were able to get straight into them. There was no security. It was amazing, but it's that's that's almost too easy so whilst I think that might sound interesting and fun but as a security professional it was it was the old adage of you know taking candy from from the baby nothing was locked our job was half done for us there was nobody to slip by so it was just a nighttime break-in. Hi 
This is a quick break. First of all, I just want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. And secondly, I'm Ricky Burke. I'm director of CyberSec People. This is my full-time job. Um, CyberSec People is a leading cybersecurity recruitment company. We support companies in hiring the best people in the industry, and we do this through our industry knowledge, connections to the industry, and handling of recruitment processes. If your organization is hiring or will be hiring cybersecurity professionals, please do reach out and see how we can help. Take care. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Okay, so that was a, an easier challenge. What, what's the biggest challenge you've come across? <laughs> oh, God. I think the biggest challenge... I, the biggest challenge was actually was the the last job I was on. It was one woman. <laughs> we had I think eight or nine buildings all in one sort of compound, if you like, and I could not, for the life of me, get by one security-minded individual. There was nothing. She hadn't received special training. She was just quite good at reading people. She was quite good at picking up on the small cues that I that I was given off that. I don't know if I fully believe you sort of look about it. And she just wouldn't break away from protocol. Most people will. Most people will, you know, oh, yeah, of course. I've spoken to you for a while now. We've we've built this up. I have, you know, we, we're almost friends. Of course you can slip by. I don't need you to follow the normal process. She was like, absolutely not. If you ask me again, I'm going to make you do more than the normal process. And so it's people are always my biggest challenge when they're like that. Wow. So what, out of interest, what sort of techniques or how many times would you try someone like that? So it would depend on the openings that they left. So she was saying to me, this is the procedure. You're not following it. If you want in, you need to go back to this building. You need to get <laughs> this person to call me. And I was like, dearest Lord, and the three lambs, like, no. So I was sort of coming back. I, I went back and saying, hey, they, they sent me back down here. And you're saying that you're the one to let me in. And she's like, I'm not going back. <laughs> and so eventually we would try to find like a phone number so that they would call her. And we, we could not really get past her. And we, we found a different way. And this is the benefit of teamwork. We got two team members to go in and exit door. It was held open by someone else in. And they came to the front and, and allowed me in as their guest. And that was how I got into the building. I didn't need to be in the building because my teammates already had, but I I needed the the challenge to be mine. <laughs> so I was like, you're gonna have to get in, but you're also gonna have to let me in. <laughs> and they were like, no, 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 we don't need you. And I'm like, but you're gonna you're gonna have to let me in. I need to get past her. It needs to happen. And Kiss will kill me for saying that because he's he, you know, that's not actually one of the major working components of our company it's not win at all costs it's stress test to the point that makes sense you don't have to win them all it's good if the client wins it's good if they are security minded i'm like i would like to win so (laughs) so you're not competitive at all then no not at all um everything there's nothing i'm not competitive about it's really it's shame on me because it's tired and it's exhausting uh, what happens if you get caught so it depends if you work for if your client is government or potentially your client 
is a company that allows their security to <laughs> handle guns, that is the chance you're getting shot. So there are quite a lot of things that can happen. The, the best you're hoping for is they call local security and local security then decide if they want to hand you over to law enforcement. That's my preferred because we have functions in place that allow us to explain where we are. We've got contact points within the building that lend us, you know, cadence and legitimise our cause. So if let's say the woman, let's say I slipped past that woman, she was security and she'd have caught me. At some point, I would have tried to get out of it under my pretext. But at some point, I'd have had to say, hey, listen, this is why I'm here. You've done your job just perfectly, but also, can you let me out of these handcuffs now? And I would give her my point of contact. She would get in touch with them and they would then let me know that I could go, hopefully. There are a few cases of, well, there's one in particular and it's in the news and I, I won't go into details, but I think it's it's important to raise awareness. There was quite relatively recently a company sent in social engineers, as is normal. You talk about the Iowa courthouse. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I don't think that that's fair. That's, we shouldn't be up against that. There should be more either protocols in place or you know, a different way of performing this that keeps us safe because those of us that are good, and I don't mean good at our jobs per se, I just mean good insofar as we are aiming to help, being persecuted for that, I think is wrong. Yeah, I remember listening to that podcast on Darknet Diaries from a couple of months back. Mm. What did you think? It's just a shambles of a situation, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, some people, well, um, just my opinion, but some people get took the situation offensively and took it beyond where it, what it should have been. Yes, I don't think that, you know, it, this doesn't warrant the uh, <laughs> the situation. What, what happened, I think, needs to... It, it's a big thing in the community, and I'm glad. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I just feel sorry for the guys. They've, they've now, now got a record for yeah. doing their job. I mean, yeah. Now the company getting signed off, getting paid to do an engagement and it just puts people, yeah, I mean, how how do you feel and how do, I guess, how do people in the community feel about that situation? I think the communities come together and, 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 you know, I don't, as far as I'm aware and it's, it's just opinion and observation, no one is looking at this any other way than the way you've just described. This is unfair. This is a job. There are no... There shouldn't be penalties for doing your job properly. And they actually, you know, they performed unbelievably well and adhered to the principles of security and professionalism in every sense. So so to me, I feel really bad for them. And as a community, I think hopefully we can, you know, make a difference. Maybe not for them, but hopefully in the future. Obviously, that's a situation that's gone wrong. But I guess what's the the best social engineering story you've heard or whether it's you've been involved in or just something you know about there? One of the best stories that I've heard, and I kind of had a little trouble telling other people's stories, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think a friend of mine who ran an operation for a large US city and he was responsible for for a, quite a large team and they were 
you know, their job was to get past government agencies. And that was quite cool to hear about. I was like, next time you do that, I want to be like, you're foreign. (laughs) No. I was like, okay, I understand. (laughs) Um, So we have some, some interesting jobs for some very interesting clients coming up. So if you would like me to come back on and censor all that I'm saying and say sentences like it was an interesting job and I can't tell you why, I'm more than willing to do that. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, we just have to use our imagination. Yes, there you go. And do you know, it's probably better than the actual job. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's social engineering. If you're trying to get into it, is can be difficult, but you know, if you're a good social engineer, you will probably be able to talk yourself into the job. That is, you have to be security minded. You have to be good with people, but not in the conventional sense. You don't have to be able to talk to anyone. Your strategy, if you're say, an introvert, could be to get people to want to help you by being a little bit introverted or shy or quiet. You know, if you can bring out a lot of people have that about them, that support mechanism that, you know, is sort of switched on. Yeah. Acting vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. It's social engineering is for anyone. You you have to play to your strengths and uh, that really is what's most important. I can talk forever. (laughs) That is my skill. I can like talk to someone so long that they have no idea why I'm there and they just want me to leave (laughs) they're like okay you can go so you know you really have to play to your strengths so uh, obviously you get to hear about the fun stuff what are the I guess not so fun things about social engineering there are the reports (laughs) you have to write reports and those tend to run long and you have to document every art artifact you found where you found it how you got through so there's reports which actually I feel fairly neutral about but there are also I suppose other things like you have to be able to move around quite easily that can be difficult for some people if you have a family it might be difficult for you to leave for maybe three weeks at a time depending on the engagement maybe two months at a time and then go home for a week and then you know you might be at it again I'm sort of used to that from working offshore oil and gas. That That is sort of my background. So I feel quite comfortable there, but that is not for everyone. Mm. I would say for most people, that's enough to put them off, but not for everyone. And you'll, every, you will find what it is you don't like about any job. You've just got to hope that it doesn't outweigh what you love about it. There's nothing for me about social engineering that I'm like, I wish this wasn't part of the job for the most part. Like holistically speaking, I enjoy every facet of social engineering. That's awesome. It's, it's, it's amazing to find a passion that you just genuinely enjoy. Yeah, I'm quite, I feel lucky, conventional sense or not. I feel very lucky to have found that. So for the future, I guess in terms of types of targets or goals or yeah. in terms of, I guess specifically around engagements, are there any sort of things that you would like to work on or that would interest you? Yeah, I currently do voluntary work for an organisation called the Innocent Lives Foundation. What we do as an organisation is to help unmask child predators that exploit children or traffic online. So, you know, one of my jobs for them is to go into the dark web, find leads, uh, 
sort of try through OSINT, only OSINT, there's no, we're not vigilantes, there's no hacking involved. We try to find these people and build cases. We give those cases to law enforcement. Law enforcement go through them step by step, see if they can find the exact same information, see if that leads to an arrest. I think my job will lead me more and more into that work as time goes on. And sort of large criminal rings, I think I will probably gear and steer my professional career towards causes like that. They'll involve, for what I understand, I think, some of that will involve an aspect of social engineering and some of it will still just be technical work, all stemming from OSINT. That is where I think I'm going. I've never had a plan work out, so I don't know, but but maybe. Yeah, wow. Uh, to do that, I think is admirable. I, I personally would struggle with that just to you get know, my head around it. Yeah, it's it's not for everyone, and it's a taboo subject, and not, and people feel uncomfortable talking about it. And I understand that, but being uncomfortable about it won't make it go away. That doesn't. No. That's not me saying to you that you should want to do it absolutely I fully sort of respect the people who go that's not for me there are other things you can do to help like raising awareness you're going to put this on your podcast and a lot of people might find out about it and a lot of people might donate or donate their time or just raise more awareness so there are a million there are a few things that you can do to help and they're all just as important as one another in my experience you have to be able to compartmentalize that's a coping mechanism I have. I try not to pick it apart. I try not to wonder about why I have that. I have it. My brain's found that way to cope. And I run with that. It is difficult work. It is trying and taxing work, I suppose. But what you're doing for someone, hopefully, outweighs that completely for me. So I put it to the side. All the discomfort I push to the side and... I try my best. Well, your your actions can actually make a difference. Yeah, and that's the hope. You know, Chris, the, the founder, so sorry, Chris, my boss, is the same guy who runs or founded ILF. He has helped, you know, put away hundreds, I think, of, of people wow. for these sort of acts. And that's admirable. And, it, you know, that's something that deserves like a medal. That's something that's that's powerful and you know helpful to society. Our jobs, my day job, is a help to society, right? But you don't see it as much. It's not as visible. It doesn't hit as hard. There's no sort of housewife that's going to listen to what we've talked about previously on this episode. That's going to be like, oh my god, that's so important. It just doesn't doesn't hit you until you know someone's broken into your bank what we've just talked about might never have touched you but it still hits hard you still know that that exists in society and that it's important that we try our best to sort of not extinguish it it's never going to happen but to really make it hard for those who want to participate yeah absolutely well you've just inspired me i've just made a donation oh thank you that's (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell kiss that thank you very much Hey, welcome. It's, uh, like I say, very admirable work. Yeah, fortunately, some people are doing it and it's, it's obviously doing good out there, which is great to see. Yes, good. I'm glad. Thank you very much. That's much obliged. That's all right. So I, I guess back to 
the role of a social engineer and I know from talking with people and if we just say more broadly I guess red teaming and social engineering is part of that and it's, it sounds bad but it's laughable how many people that have no experience want to become a pen tester or they just say red teamer and yes. there's, a, there's a lot of steps before that and I guess my advice to them is always go and learn some stuff before like even before becoming a pen tester go and learn some fundamentals of how computers or it actually works yes um, for a social engineer i guess what are the the foundational skills that people could be working on or fine-tuning to maybe work towards that sort of goal good question so you must have a certain amount of confidence in yourself it doesn't have to show you don't have to be cocky but you have to be able to walk into some place and not crumble <laughs> under the pressure because whilst i might make it out like you walk in and you just sort of have the gift of the gab if that if you know that's the saying that translates worldwide that isn't the case there is a pressure to withstand you will be nervous your adrenaline will <laughs> kick in and you have to be able to control yourself and you have to be able to all joking aside know when to stop I am competitive I do think that there is an I in win and there isn't one in team, but you, you have to be able to understand people, read people, keep control of yourself, see where a conversation is going, where it could go, steer it there. You have to be able to connect with someone and you have to maintain a certain amount of control because that control is what's going to lead to the influence that you're trying to obtain over someone so I suppose understanding what social engineering is becomes the most important thing you can do to have a career as a social engineer you have to understand that your job isn't to sneak past someone or you know find work around for everything your job is to connect with people and influence them and then your job after that is to help people understand that something that's so inherent can be used against them. That's a difficult job as a social engineer to say, I know you were just trying to help me and I know I brought that out in you. and I'm sorry, but here's why you can't do that. That's quite difficult. Out of interest, do you ever feel guilt or bad about some of the things that you do? I have felt guilty one time. <laughs> I, I've never felt guilty on a physical job, never once, because the odds are against me. So no, I've never, I've never felt guilty. I felt guilty one time. I was on a vision call, and it was pointed out to me later that it was, you know, not my smartest moment because in, she sounded, bear in mind I've got no visuals, I'm just on the phone to her and I'm just trying to let, I'm just trying to influence her a few ways to, to so that she lets me in to a few systems. And she would have done it, but she sounded old and she sounded vulnerable. And I was, I just couldn't do it. I could not bring myself to do it. So I said, listen, it's okay. I know you can't find what you're looking for, which, you know, is perfect because then I get to talk her through and, and say exactly which menu she should go to and everything she should click. I couldn't do it. So I said, I'm going to phone you back. Don't worry about it. And I crossed her name off of my list of calls. And then I told a teammate about it and he said, but Max, those are the actual people that we're trying to help. Those are the people that need us most. We have to be able to say to them, here's 
how close it was. And if we were bad actors, this is what would have happened. So you've now missed an opportunity to help someone because you thought that you felt guilty about it. And I'm thinking, yeah, because now I feel more guilty. <laughs> now I'm thinking, oh God, I'm going to have to phone her back. So <laughs> that is the one time I felt guilty and I was, you know, it was upended. I was sort of like, oh yeah, you're right. I've done worse by letting her go. Yeah, now she'll never know. Yeah, I guess by gaining their trust and using them. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's to help them in the long run. Yes, because none of the actions we take afterwards are malicious. They're they're only good. So no, I've I I do not feel that guilt. I, and I suppose that's why I'm not a criminal. Because if you think about the skills that a social engineer has, we'd be the best criminals. We could walk into your bank and you know try and get quite a lot of the money out, and we'd probably be successful. But being you know that I'm probably not on the psychopathy spectrum the adrenaline kicks in the fear of consequence kicks in the fear of like could I really do this to society kicks in so it pushes you dead center to the good side if you want (laughs) it's the light side the dark side is just strictly off limits because you know we're doing good after absolutely well, Maxie, thank you so much for your time. It's been such an interesting bit of insight in terms of your journey and also the work that you do. And, and thank you for raising awareness for the Innocent Lives Foundation as well. No, not at all. Thank you very much. That's that's really like much obliged. That's the most British thing I think I'm ever going to say, but it really is. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me on. I know I talk a lot. So <laughs> good luck editing been, that. It's been great to hear. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening. And if you've got any questions, comments, please reach out to me. You'll find me online anywhere, CyberSec Ricky. And if you would like to be involved in the future, maybe be a guest and then reach out as well. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. Bye.